myself, Dylan. I'm still here. He's still here. And we've got Ash Hoskin. Yes. That's how I pronounce it, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Awesome. I stuffed up Cam earlier. I called in Cameron instead of Campbell. Oh, and oh. I felt terrible because I'm was. i I'm such um, a fan of his work. I felt awful. So yeah. I'm glad I got yeah. one right today. That's good. So yeah, thanks for coming along. You, Thank you. you. You run WA Apparel, which has done a bit mm-hmm. of merch for us. And yep. you also do um, uh, Digger Rockwell, yep. which people would know. What Any other projects? I'm missing uh, on do here. some kind of illustration stuff, but right. it's kind of on the low, low down, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just keeping busy with uh, electronic music and doing yeah. some power stuff. I used to run a record label, Community Records. Okay, yeah. We were kind of independent hip-hop label, electronica. Yeah, right. Kind Was of that being Perth on the back. Based yeah, Perth-based. Um, kind of got a bit of reach nationally and a um, bit of touring, a bit of that, but it kind of, kind of been the back burner in the last couple of years because uh, become a become a dad. Yeah. You know, become a family man. That, that yeah, happens to that's all it. the best musicians. That's right. So just focusing on what I have within my control, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not spreading yeah. yourself thin. No. Nah, nah, yeah. Yeah. So you've been doing WA Apparel. You got your WA Apparel camel, uh, camo, camel, camo hat. Camo yeah. hat mm-hmm. on. Um, I actually saw, uh, I was watching Kill Tony earlier today and Theo Vaughn had the WA Apparel. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, dude, yeah. Theo Vaughn wears that hat all the time. I know. He loves it. Yes. Um, my friend Bob White, aka Boost Hero Man, gave him that hat. Yeah, right. At his Perth show. Yeah. Um, I was I was at that show. A, there's a photo on our um, Instagram with Theo Vaughan and Boost Hero Man. Yeah. With the hat on together. But unfortunately Theo wears the hat on backwards, backwards yeah. all the time. So I'm like You'll have to and I was wondering if a, like a uh, second the reason why a... my mate Bob Boost Hero Man gave him that hat was like does he come from a place that is WA? Does he come from Washington or does he come from somewhere else? And he's like, no, I just, I just gave him the hat because he wears those kind of hats. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. And there was one uh, photo of him of Chris D'Elia, D'Elia and yeah. him and another comedian and yeah. he had the hat on backwards and there was like yeah, well, he had the hat on backwards I'm like, what are you Kill doing? Tony as what well. What are you doing, Theo? Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I saw your comment there, like, yeah. put the what hat you forward. Put your hat forward, turn it around. You know. yeah. yeah, but that's cool, isn't it? Yeah. He, I have, that said, I have seen him wear it frontwards mm. on, on, on an Instagram story, and I've oh, recognized wow. it, and I said, great West Australian cap, and he liked the comment because I reckon he gets a lot of people thinking it's a Washington yeah, cap. Yeah, I know, yeah. Him being American. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly. kind of, I feel like I kind of had like that, that, hipster mm. insight to him and you know i was like yeah, yeah. i see you know the inside story of why he probably knows why it's wa exactly the, the synergy between yeah. your instagram handles you're like oh wow we're just we're just bonding right now have you spotted your your um uh, wa apparel stuff anywhere else interesting i know the guy who reads the channel to news owns the shirt um, oh um what's his name the guy with the really nice hair who's a thespian he's 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 <sighs> what's his name I watch him. I watch him at least once a week, and yeah, that dude. Uh, yeah. He's got a shirt, and did a um a sh- like a tourism WA kind of you know that postcards WA show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did one on Wham, yeah. um, a couple of years ago, and then I was wearing all WA apparel stuff, and Todd Johnson was on on the show. Yeah, and he was hosting, which Todd Johnson is a loose loose cannon, but he was a nice guy. He's like totally like uh, uh, he was awesome. He's like, oh, that WA shirt, that's cool. So I gave everyone in the in the crew a shirt, and Todd Johnson's got one. So that's that's claimed fame. Hopefully, uh, Basil Zemplis doesn't have one because he's a fucking idiot, right? Yeah. Um, but then the <laughs> cameraman, his, uh, I was like, <laughs> cameraman, uh, the cameraman goes, oh man, I I know Nick Nat, 
uh, I catch up with Nitnat every week. Uh, you should give me a shirt and I'll give it to Nitnat. And I was like, uh, yeah, give it to Nit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, kind of personalities were it. <laughs> yeah, Emma Cole. And Theo Vaughan and, and heaps of personalities. That's Emma cool. Cole's got one. She bought... Uh, oh, it's, she? The, it's not the WA, it's the leadable Oh, cool. One. She got one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. She's yeah, bought one. Oh, the Mayor of Vincent. Oh, oh right. There you yeah. go. Mayor of Vincent. Town of Vincent or City of Vincent. There um, you go. Yeah. So I've been doing that for about 10 years. And yeah, just right. the idea behind it is just to give Perth a, uh, and West Australia a sense of place. Yeah. And kind of, uh, you know, like LA... Yeah, you know, the 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 cultural significance behind LA, I'm kind of trying to say, oh, WA could be like that, Perth yeah, could be like not? that. We kind of we have a great art scene, we have a great music scene, we have great film producers. We, you know, the only difference between LA and WA is that they're geographically favoritism, really. Like LA is yeah. where it's all at, right? And then, but WA is kind of like we're kind of starved of um, opportunity, but it kind of fuels our creativity. Yeah, a little bit further, you know, it kind of uh, makes us kind of like um, a little bit more um, uh, eager to kind of get our artwork or creativity outside of these walls, even though historically sometimes it is remains within WA. And yeah, it's like it's always the tragedy of the Commons is that like this that oh this person oh, I can't believe we only know them in WA or um, and there's very few artists that actually break that. Tyranny of distance. Yeah, that isolation. But then we have so many talented people. We're like, like, oh, they're amazing, but why aren't they? Yeah, here or um, it's like a it's like a high threshold to break through it. Like you've got to be like a Kevin Parker or a you know Sleepy Jackson or something like that. But it's also people who are quite surprising. Like, um, you know, Kevin Parker is a a phenomenal artist, and we'll talk about him with albums of the decade, I guess. Um, Yeah, but it's also like people like. You know, Luke Steele, Sleepy Jackson. Yeah. The way he got out, he totally reinvented himself through Empires of the Sun. Yeah. But um, my claim to fame with him is that when I was 13, we used to go down to Smith's Beach as um, on holiday to go surfing. And one year, the guy that we go with, he bought his mate, who was this little scruffy-haired, five-foot-two dude. Um he looked like, uh, you know, like Gel- Gel- the Gelflings off the Gar- Dark-, Dark Crystal, kind of yeah. like, yeah. you know, like beautiful all... blonde hair, like so delicate. <clears throat> and he, he'd just be sitting there playing guitar and um, playing the blues. Um, and he used to bodyboard with a gaff helmet, you know, the gaff helmets, which are the, the helmets that you use to protect yourself from the reef. Yeah. It was a white one. And <clears throat> it actually turned out to be, it was Luke Steele. Oh, right. And... Um, just remembered him as so fondly as someone who was just like really salt of the earth, kind of really into playing his guitar. Every moment that you saw him on that holiday, he had a guitar in his hand. It was just some beaten up acoustic guitar and it was just like this shitty guitar, but he was just playing it and just totally into what he was doing. And then you hear about him going on to loving Sleeping Jackson. I loved the Sleeping Jackson and then him going on to better and bigger and better things through Empire of the Sun and becoming this massive success story and then through the community of Perth you, I meet his brother who's uh, a really fantastic electronic musician called Tobacco Rat yeah yeah um, Jake Steele and then um, he, Katie Steele phenomenal singer as well in her yeah. own right in a, very talented and family. then you hear about the dad yeah I didn't realise that, that who, that's who Tobacco Rat was I, yeah. I really like this, the music I've heard from Tobacco yeah. Rat I was like this is cool yeah. but I didn't know that, that, that yeah. he was a steel oh, yeah he's a steel too yeah. yeah right so him and Katie are twins 
And he tobacco rat was on your label. Yeah, for a yeah, good while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. He used to be called Jakob, but then he changed to tobacco rat. Yeah. Cool, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll get into it. So we talked about our top five albums mm. with Cam earlier, um, but this will be the part two. So we'll drop <coughs> these both on the same day mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, so people listening will will already know what our top fives are, but mm-hmm. we'll go we'll go over them again anyway. Mm. Um, so. Uh, my top one of all was Lonerism, as we mentioned, Kevin Parker yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, I had Syro by Aphex Twin as well. Mind Fuzz by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh-huh. Mac DeMarco's 2 and Yusuf Kamal's Black Focus. Oh, wow. That was um, mine as well, Yusuf Kamal. Yeah, Black right. Focus. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I found that with that album really kind of cemented the political force of jazz um, and the ability yeah, right. for jazz to promote um, cross-cultural interreligious kind of yeah identity in London. Yeah. And I think that kind of that um kind of vibe from that jazz, that up fusion jazz, which is almost like jazz funk in a lot of ways, led to like um the kind of the scene that you see in Melbourne now is kinda of like the kind of resurgence of jazz influence yeah. element music. Yeah. But it's got a it's the base of it is through the peace and harmony of just being yourselves through jazz, but it's also a, like a multicultural mix of all sorts of people, whoever can play. Um, yeah. And I feel like uh, the Yusuf Kamal album, Black Focus, was that kind of that force in London, that that identity in London that that wasn't really identified um, too well until it became the jazz scene in London and it became on kind of a global phenomenon, like looking through the kind of um, Giles Peterson label and that kind of other flow-on effects, kind of seeing jazz as something modern but also yeah. something that's bringing people together and providing uh, also identity for islamic artists as well coming mm. out of london as well where that probably that wasn't seen wasn't recognized for a long time it was all like the electronic scene or it was like the 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 rave scene or the indie band scene in london but that yusuf kamal album was really like there's an identity yeah there. there's a cultural significance yeah. to it as well for what yeah. it, you know you know i guess not its purpose, but for, I guess just what it did for like mm. a better term. Yeah, but it also seemed like it was this, this similar to what's happening in Melbourne and I guess in Perth as well. Like-minded people getting together and yeah. playing music together and then doing amazing things and being able to break through that threshold of expectation and audience and yeah, uh, as a, as a global phenomenon. You know? Cam said something really good before <laughs> when we we're talking about um, you know jam bands and stuff. I think it was when we we're talking about Goat. Mm. Um, he said that. You know, those kind of jam bands are like the opposite of self-indulgence because mm. it's like an indulgement for the audience. Yeah. Which which I think is like very true for, you know, mm. a lot of jazz jammy yeah. kind of fusion bands. Mm. But so. I think the element of jamming is that selflessness because actually what you're trying to do is complement what other people are doing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I guess in jazz, everyone gets their time where they can do their, their solo or their, their yeah. little bit. But I think true jam bands... Kind of like I probably King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard probably I'd say would be a jam band. They just yeah. mates who get together and jam out stuff and they just prolific and then just like let's get that down, get down that down. There's another album, there's another EP kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but that selflessness and jamming is what makes jam bands so acceptable and so prolific. I think sometimes because um, <clears throat> it's that sense of community and having your mates and have people like-minded people that you can really bounce off. 
um, yeah. to make your ideas come to fruition. But there's nothing worse than jamming with someone who doesn't listen to what other people are doing. Yeah, you know, just like trying, the, the, you know. the good jam, the good collaborations, the good improvisers, the people who actually listen and compliment instead of trying to climb on top of them and go, oh, yeah, this is this is what I've got to hit. turn it into a pissing contest, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Dylan, did you want to quickly run through oh, your top yeah, five? Summarize top five. So <clears throat> I had um, don't uh, don't get lost by Brian Jonestown. Mm-hmm. Of all their albums, it's basically I don't know, sort of stood out to me and made me listen to it a lot more, just based on the fact that they took a different like sort of almost like sort of nineties chill out sort of. Mm dance like you know um come down kind of vibe which yeah. i really enjoyed a lot, uh, a lot more electronic elements. um than the usual stuff um which was cool um then you've actually brought the vinyl in with you yeah well yeah. i wasn't like i didn't even know where to start when i was thinking <laughs> yeah. about it so i just basically just started flipping through yeah. the records and going okay that one i've listened to that a shitload yeah that's definitely got to be one yeah. and got to five and kind of could have chosen another 15 if yeah. i wanted to but just decided to uh, keep it at this. So Lonerism, Tame Impala, um, which Matt actually yeah. made his top, his number one. That's pretty easy to understand yeah. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a lot of people. Goat World Music, um, yeah, well. which was just one of those crazy listening experiences, mm. just, you know, fusing tribal sounds and fuzz guitars mm. and pagan influence psych rock and, yeah. you know, just... Really Do you feel like the, the last decade band. were yeah. like the reinvention of psych- psychedelic music? Yeah. Seems like the, the, the rising um, consciousness around the world, like you, mm. you have people like dabbling now in mushrooms more often, <laughs> LSD. Kind of seems like there's a real um, resurgence in human consciousness in the last decade. Like it seems yeah. like shit was going down politically. Climate change was reeling, you know. But then people were getting together and making some really psychedelic fused music. Like it's like because the technology was getting so cheap, people would buy pedals for a hundred bucks and start um, really experimenting with things. Like for instance, like Kevin Parker, like, you know, Mm. someone, he can do it all by himself now. Like it's not just, he doesn't need his mates to, he writes it all himself. And that's the technology that happened in the last decade with Ableton, the proliferation of Ableton, which is the program that Kevin uses to make his music. You don't need anyone else to make that music with, you know, kind of, and then you get your mates together and then get the live band going for your, the tour. But the psychedelia kind of (coughs) really felt like the last decade was like, there's something happening, something happening that ether for people's consciousness and kind of thinking. Yeah. 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 yeah, like a return to that, I don't know, like the pagan ideas and just pagan, like that mm. sort of tribal expression of, yep. of music. And yeah, mm. um, the last two actually I haven't gone over yet, but oh, we didn't yeah, no, I actually picked a couple more Perth ones. Oh, yeah. Are you okay, Pat Chow? Mm-hmm. Um, this, I don't know, this album, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Like they only press 100 on vinyl. Um, everyone that's ever listened Very to this limited. is just really, really thoroughly going like, what the hell is this? This is great. Um, we actually released their second album, Overwhelming Care, on on Rhubarb Records uh, last year. But yeah, definitely worth just having a listen. It's just, yeah, such a well-recorded sort of, sort of re- return to that sort of 90s influence like Pixies and, you know, grunge kind of sounds but 
just so fresh at the same time. So yeah. Yeah. If you don't know it, check it out. Um, other one is Nervequakes, a new state. Oh, okay. Have you had these guys? Oh yeah. 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 So they're, um, basically like a sort of post punk sort of mixture of say Susie and the Banshees and the Cure, like very sort of goth influenced sounds. Um, very different to what you used to what you used to hearing in Perth. They're actually on a punk label um, called Televised Suicide. Oh. And yeah, brilliant album. Right. Like I, I love this album and yeah, I've listened to it as much as anything I've listened to this. That's going to be my homework for this yeah. evening. So, yeah, They're a great band. They're yeah. probably one of the most exciting bands coming out of Perth in the last yeah. few years. Well, I see I their name so, appearing yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, because it sounds authentically from that time. It does, yeah. It doesn't sound like someone trying to create a sound it actually sounds like it's from london yeah in the 80s yeah like very early 80s like yes yeah i've never seen them live but i'd really need to check them out like um yeah i think they supported um sisters of mercy and like you know they're they're up there with that sort of sort of goth perfect sort of goth sounds that you know no one else in perth's really kind of doing as, as far as i'm aware of anyway so yeah yeah check them out sweet all right, Ash, what, so let's, uh, let's um, dig into yours. So you, so you I, did so already I actually met- said Tame Impala in a speaker. Oh, see, uh, it was a big toss-up between the two yeah, for me. But. I, I think it's um, because of the – I think um, with the second album, I think he kind of hit his straps and his songwriting was – into overdrive, but I just like the honesty of inner speaker and the it's a bit more jammy, like a bit more jammy, yeah. uh, a bit more WA, some kiss kind of sounds. I actually stayed, yeah, that's exactly in the right, house yeah. where they he recorded inner speaker, yeah, it's a holiday, uh, home, right? a holiday home in Yanship. Oh, uh, no, not Yanship, <laughs> yelling up, uh, for my Bucks party. Oh, and, right. Um, I had is a this very before or after inner, the recording, no, nah, after, oh, okay. after, um, so this is the Cape's house, which they he hires to go recording and I had a very inner speaker moment when I, um, I was, cause I was the buck, I was up in the top room and then I woke up in the morning and there was this mist on the hills overlooking, which is uh engine up point, engine up bay. And basically I was like, that looks exactly like the cover from inner speaker. And it was basically, I was having this kind of like, kind of con- a connection to kind of like this, this kind of the energy of the place and yeah. what obviously what he was tapping into what he was tapping into so this place is kind of this ramshackled um, multi-purpose venue which has two houses on it it's got an amphitheater um, with a cave on it which used to have a whole heap of raves that they used to, used to do down south yeah right and it's been <clears throat> hired out as a place where you can stay and um, it's got all these different rooms that you can um kind of stay in but you can also see there's different rooms that have been treated acoustically as um uh, recording studios so it's uh, kind of like okay um you could see that you maybe want to record the drums upstairs or downstairs or you might record the vocals in here so the whole house is kind of this uh, amazing riffraff of this kind of this heaps of bands have recorded there it's not just um Tammy parlor but heaps of bands have recorded down there but in terms of inner speaker i just thought that um just the honesty of it and I think it's the kind of really burst onto the scene with that sound and I think it influenced so many other bands um, For sure. um, globally and yeah. not only locally but nationally but all internationally I think it's and it's got a bit more of that kind of <clears throat> the 60s late 60s early 70s vibe to it whereas things sometimes he kind of waned off into 
something that sounded um, derivative or at, um, a little bit borrowed yeah. from, you know, like uh, from other bands. Um, yeah. And you can definitely hear it in Cream his newer and stuff and yeah. um, some of the, the, the melodies and stuff. You can, <laughs> I used to play Frisbee with some of the guys from Pond, um, <laughs> which is the, the really fantastic guys, super nice. I think Kevin played once Frisbee, but Nick, Nick Albrook and Jay Watson and that yep. used to play quite a lot. And um, just funny hanging out with them, like not not friends with them. I am, if, if I saw them, I'd say hello and stuff. But, but hanging out with them after Frisbee and going back to one of their houses that everyone was kind of staying at or they, that's the house where they'd smoke weed at or whatever. <laughs> just to see these guys, the way they would be really um, students of the music, like they'd listen to music in a way that they'd know where all the parts were. They'd be commenting about the the style of guitar. They'd, they're really kind of people who are really tapped into the way music is produced and the history yeah. behind it and the instruments they used. And it's, I, I imagine, I don't really, I've only met Kevin once, but I imagine that he would be that the similar type of person. He'd know yeah. a lot about music. He'd know a lot about what's used, what's, um, what was used on this track? What was the? How did they record that? And yeah. I think they're really you can kind of hear that in Tame Impala and also in Pond stuff is that's it's it's a little bit derivative in some ways um, because they are such students of the music. But I feel like with the inner speaker, I felt that was honesty, and I feel like it was like um, kind of a very talented young man kind of arriving at that point where he's got his first album together, and it just sounds. You know, amazing, and it's just like it's a, a sound that projects him into the stratosphere as 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 a as a, a solo artist, but also as a touring touring artist. You know, as a, getting his mates together to play in the band. You know, yeah. Um, my second one, I, I didn't didn't have any in order. I was, I was like, um, that's all right. It's a long decade. Like, it was oh, a lonerism was just my peak one, and then everything was kind yeah. of just a mixed bag yeah. after that. So I thought um, Kendrick Lamar's P- "To Pimp a Butterfly" was a real standout right. for me. I think um, <clears throat> Kendrick kind of um, busted onto the scene. He's an amazing rapper, but I think it really exposed him as a as a as a an, as a narrative on um, right African American yeah. situation in America. Um, the political situation that with the Trump era, he kind of was championed as the, <coughs> the not figurehead, not not yeah. mascot either, but yeah. just kind of like a kind of embodiment of the spirit of the movement, almost. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you look at what what rap was becoming, and it still is becoming internet internet rap, and anyone could rap. Yeah. And you can just put um, you know, that that fucking weird ass effect on your voice, and you can rap, and that, and you just have a trap beat, whatever. But Kendrick had a, had a lot to say, and the way he said it was better than anybody had said it before. His style, his his uh, his flow, the people that he associated with in terms of the production of the album, <clears throat> in terms of the producers, um, really stylish, really tasteful, but also the narrative of his kind of talking about his kind of <clears throat> his alter ego. Um, I don't know whether it's a bat- battle of with Satan or with his darker self, but he always used to, uh, he kind of talks about Lucy in it. I'm not sure who Lucy was. I'm not really a big yeah. person who looks into it, but I, I kind of felt that he's battling his demons. So Lucy is maybe Lucifer um, yeah. and maybe talking about, I might be totally wrong, but that's when I heard it, I was the, not only having strong 
songwriting, but also being incredibly uh, raw, but also tasteful and gritty. Yeah, had this running commentary about his his um, dualism as as a person. You know, his lights yeah. lights and dark, um, and also the front cover of having having him and his his all his brothers and um, on the front in front of the White House. And I'm thinking. Uh, what a statement is that for? Yeah, it's a great America in, yeah. uh, for America. You know, like it's um, in a lot of ways that's it's <laughs> embodying kind of the struggle of what's still happening in America and what's potentially will even further escalate into this uh, this dualism of America, the, the white or the 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 one percent versus the rest type of thing. So yeah, that was uh, an, another one that I r- really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> On a similar tip was um, the Tribal Quest. Uh, oh, yeah. We got it from here. Thank you for your uh, for oh, your service. Yeah. So Tribal Quest haven't released anything for ages, and Five Dog died. He passed away, and there was uh, talk about them reuniting, and um, and then all of a sudden this new album. Uh, there was talk of a, of an album, but it was around the Trump, uh, maybe. Pre-Trump election, uh, pre-Trump uh, election um, being elected, but there's really a lot of strong social commentary about where America, where it's at in terms of the Trump era. Um, and who better else than to talk about that is Tropical Quest in terms of talking about it from a comedic way, but also talking about it from a very serious way in terms of um, the ramifications for um, Islamic African Americans for people on the street from the people below welfare um, <clears throat> um, and also to have Five Dog on there to be able to as kind of a posthumous type of part in it. Um, but also the whole album from start to finish is very, very catchy and it's very well written and it's totally a Tribe Called Quest album. Um, yeah. And they hadn't done anything the for a long time. The spirit It still there. And... And it was actually probably one of the only hip hop albums I probably got ins- excited about. And I was like, "Oh man, Tropical Quest is re-releasing." Yeah. Like, if DJ Shadows released something these days, I'm like, "Fuck, fuck yeah. DJ Shadow!" Look, you know, <laughs> Tri- Tropical Quest is like amazing. Like that was a really, really good album. Yeah, I was very close to like. I even yesterday after I sort of picked this this, and I was sort of reflecting. I was actually thinking, "Oh man, like that's easy." Like neck and neck could have been yeah. in my top five yeah yeah brilliant um and of course i had yusuf kamal black focus um uh, which we talked about but um kaja bonnet uh with child queen which was only released probably about two years ago yeah um i just want to mention this because it's actually an album that um she produced everything herself she recorded yeah, right. all the instruments uh she she basically recorded herself and did everything herself. As as, I don't really know much about. Her. I know that she's a, an American artist, and um, it was one of the RTR feature albums. But it's called Child Queen, and it kind of had a a fresh, uh, well accomplished sound, but it also sounded vintage as fuck. It sounded almost like a library record. It almost sounded like, uh, but it was very psychedelic. It was very uh, a journey type of um, album. Um, it's, um, every, every song on it was amazing. I, the thing was, I was so blown away with this because I'd never heard of her before. And it was all of a sudden this feature album on RTR and then I just couldn't stop listening to it. It was just amazing. So, um, so Child Queen by Kaja Bonet would be, um, up there as well. And they're kind of albums that kind of 
happened in the later part of the decade and I feel a little bit like I was hearing the rich discussion before. I was like, oh, man, mine, mine are all kind of late in the decade. But um, yeah, I guess it's well, we a, a few that were pretty late mm, in the decade. And the recent memory. Yeah, um, that's I, I, I'd agree. Like I was trying to kind of think back earlier in the decade, but you kind of forget what you were doing and listening to like mm, yeah. beyond five years ago. Like mm. I remember what I was listening to, but I was just such an uninformed music listener at that point. Like, 2010 for me was my last year of high school. So mm. I was still, you know, understanding music to a degree, yeah. you know, like, you know, really getting a taste of everything out there. Um, mm. So, yeah, I didn't really consider those the first like three years too much, but mm. it was after that that it like things like kind of unraveled and I got, got into the music that I still kind of appreciate now and set me off another tangent mm. too. Yeah. Those uh, post school years are very important musically in terms of. Yeah, that's when you're forming a lot of your independent memories about you know, de- developing your identity. Your identity. Yeah, and it's kind of that music. Like I remember, my identity was formed when I uh, heard "Introducing" by DJ Shadow. With uh, yeah, 1996 is when I graduated. Yeah, and there's so much great hip hop coming out in that time, and I just remember that sound and that forming my identity of that town. Sound was heavily involved in sampling and. Um, African-American inspired music. Um, so it's interesting that I still hold the 90s so dear to my heart and I feel like music, <laughs> actually everything after that time is kind of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of an afterthought. Like, a, like yeah. uh, so, so for you, it's also that kind of... Yeah, mm. I think that's natural as well because it, it, that's just the foundations that you build it upon and so that's like yeah, the core essentials kind of mm. thing and then, you know, everything else is kind of, you know, influenced from that. Mm. So yeah, absorbed, it makes sense. Yeah, you, at that point in your life because you, you're, you've got a lot more time on your hands actually to be listening and exploring, your brain's still kind of like just a sponge just... You yeah, know, and and you're out. You're doing things that you haven't been able to do before. So yeah, it does. I'm the same. I was like the class of '95. So yeah, I that same era of music just, just will always be sort of you know mm. resonate pretty strongly with me. You know, mm. and then you can pair everything since then to that era because it was just mm. yeah, just such a crucial sort of development stage. I guess. Yeah. What do you think? Was the uh, last decade or the 90s better? Uh, 90s was better. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm too young. I was, I, I'm a 93 kid, so I was I only got to the major seven in the 90s. And mm. yeah, so I don't have too many memories, but in retrospective, I think, yeah, 90 like I actually had this rant to you not long ago. I was like, I was saying to Dylan, I feel like his like, micro generation hit the sweet spot, mm. like you know came in just at the right time when technology was really like up and mm. roaring, but it wasn't so much that it was so involved mm. in everyone's life yeah. to a detrimental um, yeah. point, yeah. but yet still around to convenience everything. Mm. You could call people, you could text them as well. And, you know, you yeah. could do a f- like emails were around and everything and you could, you, it was f- mm. like the, the kind of, there wasn't as much of a discount of, you know, or a compromise, I should say, for the convenience mm. of having... There wasn't so much the, just constant noise of everyone competing, like, with, like, social media, wanting to become, like, an overnight celebrity and just pumping out mm. so much trash. Like, you had to yeah. be kind of good to get heard. Yeah. But at the same time, there was all these producers just putting out stuff on vinyl. So you could go and hear stuff that was really fresh and underground. and you, But you had to actually go out and mm. 
put in the effort to hear it. You yeah. can just sit on your couch and just flip mm. through, you know, um, YouTube until like you found something you liked. You actually had yes. to go and explore and you, you almost had to like work for, for it more. Well, it's so almost like it's it more rewarding you. when you found something. It's like, fuck, mm. this is amazing. And then word of mouth and your friends sharing things with you. And that's how you discovered stuff. Mm. Yeah, like, I mean, you, we still get that now, but it's it just it doesn't quite. It feels a little bit cheaper now, in a way. I don't know. I call it a musical inflation. Musical inflation. <laughs> yeah, more music around is the mu- music becomes has less meaning. Okay, yeah. Yeah. almost like a cliche. Yeah, so people are making music now to, either, I guess, so people have always made music to make money, but yeah. You have people who are blatantly just writing trash to yeah. There's a lot of like sell. Um, and I feel with the nineties, it's kind of like there was kind of something. There was a meaning to music. It's not it wasn't about shaking your booty or like you think about the great nineties bands. You know, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Beastie Boys, um, Moby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they had something to tool. You know, they had something to say about the world well i'm not sure if saying something meaningful about the world is as cool as it was in the 90s i think this last decade like there's a lot to be said and there's a lot still to be said but i don't think it's being said but everyone's how many times have you heard an environmental song like there's been an environmental song in the top 10 like in the eighties, we had like feed the world, like, mm, or like yeah. midnight oil, yeah, yeah. midnight yeah. oil, and um, hunters collectors, or yeah. you know something, um, you know. So, yeah, I. But also, I, I feel with, um, in terms of, um, the internet, like you think the internet would create diversity of listening experiences for people, but I'm a high school teacher. And I know that the kids will listen. Most of the kids will all listen to the same thing. Yeah. There's no like back when we were at high school, like you had different sections of yeah, people. Different yeah, different scenes. You, like, yeah. you had the rappers yeah. or the bogans or you had yeah. the skaters or whatever. Um, but now it seems like all the kids like the same kind of music, even though it might be cool music, like um, Grimes really quite popular or yeah. um, the rap is really, really popular. But it seems to me even the cool kids – uh, listening to the same things as everything else. Yeah. I feel like with the internet, it's kind of like that's that search that you had when you had to um, stay up all night to hear your favorite song on the radio and press mm. record in your tape to capture that that moment, or you had to go to the record store and to <clears throat> try to find your music. But along that way, it's almost like the Spotify of the day, where you'd be you'd find other people. Oh, the record guy would go, "Have you heard you like this? Have you heard that?" Mm. Or the upsell, um, and I feel like with the internet, it seems like it's just channeling. The algorithm is just putting the algorithm. Yeah. yeah, the algorithm is. It finds you through the algorithm. Like yeah. everyone wants to crack into the YouTube recommended and the Spotify recommended and yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's 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 it goes even more f- like. To spin like I don't want to sound too wanky here, but like they the like that it's almost it's almost ugh, I'm stumbling over my words here. It's almost like uh, and this goes for media in general that everything's segmented down quite a bit, and mm. you know Netflix, Spotify, they give you the content you mm. love, and mm. there's no shared 
kind of like even though you can't with music more so you went and explored it but with tv and film and such everyone went and saw those the same films and such and it would create discussions and there was a cultural institution about you know the latest you know mm. whatever film yeah like pop fiction let's say yeah and it really like you know encouraged a lot of discourse but nowadays everyone's segmented into these echo chambers of what they love like the high schoolers are Mm. listening to what they love and Mm. you know people my age are listening to what they love Mm. and everyone's Mm. you know listening to that and it's it's there's kind of a somewhat of a breakdown of those of that shared you know cultural Mm. meaning that is delivered upon by this media so people aren't going to gigs they're not going to cinema yeah they're they're not going over to their friend's house to watch the latest pirated Thailand version of Ninja Turtles. <laughs> They're going to their own little cone of silence and watching whatever the fuck they want Yeah, in the comfort of the safety of their own home, not having to socialise, not actually have to walk anywhere. They can... Yeah. It's funny thing is with this weather as well, like in Perth, it's like 40 degrees in Perth is almost very similar to the lifestyle you might have in wintertime when the weather's shit outside. Yeah. And like, let's watch Netflix Yeah, in the air conditioning. You know, there's nothing yeah. else to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a shared a, experience that goes beyond just media. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot of what I just said was informed by this documentarian called Adam Curtis. Uh-huh. He makes brilliant docos. He's even toured with Massive Attack doing their visuals. Mm-hmm brilliant guy and he was actually talking in an interview on a podcast and he was quoting so i'm quoting a quote mm-hmm. um he was talking about burial the producer mm-hmm. saying uh like he was waxing philosophical as well about mm. this kind of thing and he was you know unpacking the thought of am i am i the mouse or is the mouse control am i controlling the mouse or is the mouse controlling me like by them delivering me what i want are they leading me to these things or am i leading mm. myself and it's mm. this whole kind of dilemma of I don't know and I guess this can open up the discussion into 2020 and beyond mm. like how do we how, how are we going to consume music and media for that matter mm. going forward are we are we going to be sitting in these echo chambers and kind of fed what we want on mm. a microscopic level um, and everyone's got their niche areas of entertainment that mm. is delivered upon or is it going to you know, I sometimes think is it going to have like a lucky band effect? It's going to go so far one way that it snaps yep. back into the other, yep. and something will happen, and it might revert to more like what you two experienced in the eighties and the nineties. Mm. So, I don't, I don't know the answer. To that. <clears throat> Seems like we are uh, approaching a the kind of globalization is uh, yeah getting a little bit frayed at the edges. Yeah, and I actually think what will replace globalization is localization. It's going to be, and I think it's people who are into the essence of community and building Mm. scenes within Perth, you really get into, instead of looking outside our our sphere and going, oh, everything's happening over there. If you're in Perth, you're able to, if you know the artists, you know bands, you know this and that, you can actually really capture like this kind of <clears throat> amazing phenomenon of living in Perth, even though people might go, oh, it's dull, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's like really sucking the marrow out of life by actually getting involved in local scenes, but also having that ability to look outside and see what else is happening. That's amazing. But you've got 
all different spheres of life. You've got the local, national, and international at your fingertips. But I feel people are constantly in their echo chambers. And one way to get break out of that is actually get involved face-to-face yeah. with creative process and creative people and to go out to a gig. Yeah. And I feel that's 2020 and beyond. I feel essentially that's, I think Netflix, Spotify, people love it, but I think there's something missing in terms of community and interaction. And I feel that people are going to, the people who are are waking up, they are the ones who get involved in the local scene. They're the ones who are, realize the amazing fabric of creativity that is all around them any city you live in you know like it's there um but the people who are kind of searching or in their little echo chamber of looking outside and not um um, too afraid to go outside because i feel like netflix and other things will lead to the decrease in people getting together for instance online shopping yeah. will lead to the decrease of people actually wanting to go outside and actually meet people or, you know, the, it's the, same the thing rise like shopping of... Shopping malls. Rise no, it's of, a con- cultural institution yeah. of what where people used to gather. Yeah. Like, I've, I've like listened to essays about mm. that thing about how online shopping's de- like that's deteriorating because of it. And mm. the mall used to be this place that you'd go to yeah. and hang out and meet up with people and get food and mm. you know, maybe get a T-shirt or something. And mm. That's kind of gone out still exists but Mm. yeah but there seems to be like this increase in this this um kind of mental health kind of you know depression anxiety it seems to be getting to a uh, kind of increasing over time as people are becoming and i think feel like is is it government's responsibilities that you know things like you know if you're in america mass shootings you've got you know outside it's so damn hot uh, climate change yeah is it that is that uh, a motion to keep people inside is it a motion to keep people within the echo chambers so yeah. we actually start to fear each other because yeah. if you look at the divisive politics that's happening globally it's like that's what they're doing like build a wall or yeah. um, scott morrison you know detention centers uh yeah that's divisive po- down. politics but is it divisive economics as well is it divisive to wanting people to close their sphere of um, their interaction because really the way we become powerful is when we create communities and we create movement and movements by getting people together and we get people out there and understanding how powerful we are as a majority. Yeah. That's, That's what I find interesting, that whole vacuum that we create yeah. music arts maybe that's that's done on purpose so to keep people separated yeah well it's a classic technique is you know mm. divide and conquer mm. and it's straight out of the book of the art of netflix War. and conquer or subscribe yeah, yeah. and conquer yeah <laughs> uber eats stream and conquer, and conquer. Yeah. Well, uber, yeah, uber eats, eats as well eats. yeah like yeah. people going out and yeah uh, uber the, eats is uh in some ways good for restaurants but not really because no, it's, it's, it's not no I, because it's there's like there's a few there's yeah. people I'm aren't drinking people bowing drinking out of booze yeah. and they're not getting that up well, you, if you walk past like last time i was in mount lawley just walking down the street looking at all these empty places but like there's two tables in a place with like 
40 tables. Like, how the hell is that place open? But then you just see people walking in and out mm. taking takeaway food. But that's not like if you want to go out for dinner, you want atmosphere. So you're not going to go into the place that's just doing Uber Eats food because mm. it's, you might as well just sit in an empty hall and have dinner with somebody. Like, mm. it's good to have, you know, mm. things happening around you while you, mm. you know, culture. Culture, yeah. yeah. Um, and everybody just sitting home doing that Netflix and chill. Getting food delivered to them, it's, yeah, like like we're saying, it's just I don't know, it's it's uh, it's uh, hopefully it's a trend that people get bored of and decide to like start getting out and mm. doing things again because I mean I'm I'm pretty bored with Netflix, like you know you really have to struggle to find something good on there mm. most of the time, um, so hopefully this people just get bored of the, this fad and we mm. stop getting spoon fed all uh, uh mm. entertainment and we actually go out and start looking for it again. Mm in the next decade that's the trend mm. that we go back towards mm. yeah great so that might be we, we've been gone for nearly 50 minutes now <laughs> wow um or well, actually 45 <laughs> actually close, wait we, we, we're waiting on some uber eats to be delivered still oh, right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking, and i'm yeah. just about to chill with some netflix and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i've been watching netflix the whole time actually yeah yeah, yeah. On yeah. Your phone, i was wondering why you kept looking yeah, at your phone yeah <laughs> i was actually watching disney's past the mandalorian as oh as right as yeah yeah, that's the thing with, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the streaming revolution and going forward into 2020 and what it means for music and movies and everything. Mm. Got to say, I fucking love Netflix and I love my Disney Plus. Oh, I don't <laughs> I don't love it. I'll unsubscribe as soon as Mandalorian's finished. But um, yeah, all the, these streaming the, the, But then they'll have another character comes on who will yeah, be like, oh my God. He's Baby streaming. Yoda will get his own streaming, you know, series and, uh, mm. and I'll be right back in. So, yeah. Have you been watching Mandalorian? Yeah. You enjoying it? What are you? Yeah, it's quite good. Um, I, I feel like it's the strongest piece of Star Wars content in a very long time, possibly since the original trilogy. I don't know. I thought Solo was good. I quite like that. Solo. I, I, I really like Solo. Kind of, and um, harked back to the... Level uh, one, was it? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good too. Um, yeah, I, th- I feel feel the offshoots are stronger than the um, actual movies. The, yeah, the episodic. But um, you think about a whole universe of characters, they're not going to stop there, are they? <laughs> no. Well, I like that they're wrapping up the Skywalker story now. Yeah. And, you know, this is the last film that comes out in a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. And then, then they're, you know, wrapping it up because a lot of people are like, oh, but that's what Star Wars is central and all that too. And they're kind of freaking out that, you know, having an identity crisis mm. of what is Star Wars. But Star Wars is just so rich in different characters mm. and mm. worlds and everything that it's a shame to kind of, you know, limit itself to just the Skywalkers. Oh, I can't wait for the Wicket series. And Wicket the Ewok, you know, yub yub. Oh, really? Oh, right. No, they... No, no, no. Oh, right. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> Jabba the Hutt's cousin or... The Return... What was it? The Return to Endor? What's that? Mm. Part two or something? Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> That was that was a good cartoon series, the the Ewoks. Do you remember that? Oh, I didn't a- see it, but they, they actually, got a cartoon series. They, they they did have a cartoon. They series did that. In the the 80s. Ewoks in the Return or Battle for Endor or something. Oh, there was wow. like a whole spin off. Like it wasn't a spin off. It was just like another TV show for like oh. or movie about Ewoks. Are you are yeah. you referring to the 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 Christmas special that uh, oh. Lucas Arts has very much tried to bury as much as possible? Oh, I, I think don't know if it was a Christmas special or not, but. They're, I remember. Have you I've seen the Christmas special as a kid? No. There's a Star Wars Christmas special. Came out just after Episode Six, I think, um, and it's one of the worst things you'll ever see. And it's just it's total cringe. And uh, it uh, worse than the Phantom Menace. 
Oh <laughs> god. And and no. I'll say this like I was a kid when Phantom Menace came out and I really liked it as a kid like I was the right market for it as well yep. with Jar Jar being mm. appealing for the kids and all that mm. like as much as George Lucas gets knocked for it I think it actually had quite a lot of successes that mm. people don't recognize it for yep. for keeping Star Wars relevant. Yeah. Um especially for my generation cuz mm. I get they're not as good but I still like yep. them. Um but yeah this Christmas special is terrible. It's uh, it's got a bit, of, it's got a bit of a cult following because of that as well, and yeah, like I remember with some early YouTube sketches being like people g- dealing at like drugs and meeting in an alleyway for the Star Wars holiday special <laughs> on VHS, wrapped in yeah. a little tinsel bow. Guy pulls it yeah. out of his coat, and yeah, um, yeah, but um. Yeah, should we wrap it up there? Yeah, we should. I think that was yeah. a good going forward in 2020. Good note. No, that was that was fantastic. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Ash, no yeah. Thank so, you. Ash, thank you so much for coming no out. No worries. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, everyone can find you under Digger Rockwell yeah, on Digger Instagram Rockwell. and yep. Facebook and yep. all the yep. socials everyone's doing these days. Sweet. Um, and you've also got the WA Apparel line. Great quality merch. You've done a bunch for Rhubarb. Yeah. Um, the leadable one and the well that wasn't for Rhubarb that we just we sold did, it yeah out. we did a couple of collabs so we did the leadable one which we sold yep. here and that sold out and I was actually there's, I think there's one, one XL left. left on the shelf yeah. for some reason there's limited. not limited yeah uh, it's a, it's a East small Park one as well. small frame population in Leaderville. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the uh, Vic Park, v, like sort of interpretation of the VB style logo mm. just sold out. We sold 50 uh, T-shirts at the Vic Park Summer Street Festival yeah. a couple of weeks back. Mm. And yeah. there's a big demand for more. Yeah. It's cool. uh, yeah, there's quality designs. And you did one for RTR as well that yeah. they're still running with. I love yeah. that design. It's Thank you. Yeah. One, it's kind of like a Where's Wally in the RTR. <laughs> yeah, That's what it reminded it. me yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Um, so, yeah, um, Digger Rockwell on Instagram, Facebook, and obviously Spotify as well. Yep. Um, but, yeah, thanks so thank much. You. Thanks, thanks again. Guys. Thanks, Dylan. And thank you, Matt. You've been, like, as far as, like, producing these podcasts this year, it's been, like, yeah, it's an amazing job you've been doing. Oh, thank so you. So, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. And thank you for listening. <laughs>